Psalm 61, would you turn there, please? We're going to read it after that pause. Psalm 61, you can see it in your Bible. It says, for the choir director uh, on a stringed instrument, Psalm of David. This is the superscription that was given to it. A song that was meant to be sung to a stringed instrument. The last couple of weeks in our summer series on psalms, we looked at, actually three weeks, we looked at praise psalms. Psalms of great joy. In fact, last week, Ben did a fantastic job, did he not? Give him a round of applause. <laughs> Talking about praising God and praising him with loud singing and, and clanging cymbals and resounding cymbals and with dancing. This is not a psalm for clanging cymbals. If there's a dance, it's a slow dance because it's somber and it speaks of pain. So Psalm 61, would you please stand and we'll read it together. The Word of God, Psalm 61, for the choir director on a stringed instrument, Psalm of David. Hear my cry, O God, give heed to my prayer. From the end of the earth I call to you when my heart is faint. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. For you have been a refuge for me, a tower of strength against my enemy. Let me dwell in your tent forever. Let me take refuge in the shelter of your wings. For you have heard my vows, O God. You have given me the inheritance of those who fear your name. You will prolong the king's life. His years will be as many generations. He will abide before God forever. Appoint loving kindness and truth that they may preserve him. So I will sing praise to your name forever that I may pay my vows day by day. And God's people said, thank you, please be seated. Father, honor your word as we look at it. Teach us, heal us, encourage us this morning. In your son's name. Again, you can see from David's words, he's calling out to God. And that is something that we must do as well. I encourage you to call out to God when you are overwhelmed. Not everybody does. Not all Christians do. They might even for a while, but then they flag and they may stop calling on the name of the Lord. But David does. He calls on the name of the Lord. He says, hear my cry, O God, give heed to my prayer. Typical Hebrew parallelism, Hebrew poetry, where in two lines he's talking about a prayer, crying out. Give heed to my prayer means, God, not just listen to it, but answer the thing that I'm beseeching you. This is, this is not a quiet request where he's just saying, oh God, would you hear me because I'm in trouble. This is a loud cry of anguish. As one writer said, a loud, possibly shrill cry, a shout, a scream to God. You ever been there? 
screaming out to God? He even says then in verse 2, from the end of the earth I call to you. From the end of the earth just means exactly that. You say, someone says, I will follow you to the ends of the earth. What does that mean? Some place that is isolated, some place that is far away, and David is in that place. He is far away from the center of the earth. The center of the earth for David and for faithful Jews was the tabernacle, Mount Zion, in the city of peace, Jerusalem, where David had pitched that tent and placed the ark, and that was the place where God met with his people. That was the, the center of the universe. And David is someplace, we don't know for sure, far away. From the end of the earth I call to you and my heart is faint. We don't know the exact uh, uh, time in which this was written or exactly what was happening. But he is speaking of his enemies and he's far away from Jerusalem. And his enemies are after him. He had times when he was fleeing from the Philistines. He fled from Saul. He fled from his own son. Absolutely. Most likely, that is the case here. This lonely place, and since he's going to talk about a rock, you see in your, um, in your bulletin there is a picture of En Gedi, which is down near the Dead Sea and down near Qumran. And you see these cliffs. And the, this was a place that David went out into the wilderness to hide when he was pursued, and you see that it is desolate. It is isolated. It is lonely. It is separated. And that is not just a, it's not just a physical thing. It is a, a spiritual and emotional state. And they go together sometimes, don't they? Because he says, my heart is faint. He doesn't say my body. Yes, he's probably thirsty. And yes, he's probably tired, because can you imagine walking around in those, those rocks? It's, it's desolate. This, I took this picture when we were in, in, in Israel, and uh, we know two stories. Our guide and the guide who was supposed to come, Israel is a tough place, and both of them fell down and broke their legs very, very badly. One of them, uh, Tracy, who was our guide, very close to this place in Qumran had to be evacuated out and David you know sure-footed but still this is a, a rocky desolate rugged raw place and so is his heart it says my heart faints he is flagging he is overwhelmed he is at the end of the earth desolate lonely remote He's being pursued. And this word to faint means, I'm going to give up. Why not just throw in the towel? It's too hard. It's too hard. Feeble, weak, exhausted physically, emotionally, spiritually. They all go together. If you get physically exhausted, you become emotionally exhausted and become spiritually exhausted. If you become spiritually exhausted, you can become emotionally exhausted and physically exhausted. They do go together because God made us that way. And David is calling out because he is just at the brink of giving up. 
So he says, from the end of the earth, I call to you and my heart is faint. And here's the request. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. Sometimes all we can do is utter the words, I can't do this. It's all you got. Lead me out, God. Get me to the place that I need to be because I'm not there but I need you. And then when we call out in that way, we have to wait. I'm not telling you it's easy, but it's a must. It's something that we must do. We must call out, but then we have to wait. So his prayer is, hear my cry. Give heed to the prayer. I call to you. Lead me. The rock that is higher than I, you see this cliff in that picture, this monolith, and he could climb up to the top, but he's saying there is a rock that is higher than that, that is higher than anything, and that is where I need to be. The true monolith, the true one rock that is higher than not only me, but higher than my enemies, higher than my circumstances, higher than anything, lead me there. And he cries out in anguish for that. So again, sometimes that's all you can say. But I will tell you this, when you are in that place of anguish, and when you are in that place, that's all you can say. Do not run from God. Run to him. Run to him. Story is too familiar for me over the years and being in ministry, believers who face great trials oftentimes run from God. They run from fellowship. They run from worship because they believe that God has abandoned them and he has not. He cannot, he will not. And then rather than running from him, run into his arms and cry out and say, lead me to the rock. Is when, when, when David is saying this, he's saying, I, I'm inadequate. I don't have what it takes. I, I don't have it in me. There is nothing in me to, left to go. I'm not able, I'm depleted of all human and emotional resources and mental resources I physically spent. And all I can do is cry out, God, and when we are unable, and when we are inadequate, and when we are depleted, that's when we, we, that's the place to be, honestly. Because that becomes the place of faith, where we must entrust ourselves to him, and rather than our own devices. And David is there. Cry out to God. The second thing I would encourage you to do in verses 3 through 4 when you are in those times and you cry out to him, pray confidently because of God's past faithfulness. Because of God's past faithfulness, pray confidently. Indeed, you can. Because God has been faithful to you if you are a believer. And so he says, for you have been a refuge to me, a tower of strength against the enemy. In spite of how David felt, he did not end the psalm with, 
I cry out to you, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. He goes on to, to, to give more specific um, direction to his request. And it is because of God's past faithfulness. He prays confidently in spite of how he feels because of what he knows to be true. You have been a refuge. He's recalling another time, a different account, a time in his life when he was in similar dire straits and he called out to the Lord and guess what happened? God delivered him. God answered in some way. And he said, you've been a refuge and a tower of strength against the enemy. God is this towering strength. He is the tower of power. He is the, the tower that we run into for refuge, for protection. And there is none like it. There is no one else. There is nothing else. And he is that tower of strength against the enemy. We, since we don't know, by the way, exactly uh, the occasion, there, there, the application is broad for us. Yes, he had physical enemies like the Philistines and Saul and Absalom and others. But behind all of those physical enemies is the enemy. And he's always at our heels. He's always nipping at our heels. I have a new puppy at home. He drives me crazy. When I walk through the house, he's nipping at my heels. And we have an enemy that is continually doing that. He's nipping at our heels. He wants to drag us down. And he will use every circumstance of life. But David confidently recalls, confidently recalls God's past faithfulness. The lesson, our present prayers are built on God's past faithfulness. Our present prayers are built on God's past faithfulness. It should always be that way. Whenever we're in dire straits, whenever we're praying, we should always circle back. We should always think back. What have you done, God? It's always a good thing to do when we are fainting and we are flagging and we are discouraged to look back on the faithfulness of God. That's the way our prayers should always go. They're always built on a bedrock and a foundation of God having been a blessing to us and given, giving to us in answering prayers over the years. Sometimes they're small. Sometimes just the blessings of salvation. But they're true and they cannot and do not change and will not change. So whenever we pray, whenever we faint, whenever we're flagging, look back. It's a good reason to keep track of those answers to prayers. So that when you don't see your way clear, you can look back and say, God has been faithful. He did say yes. He did deliver. He was there. He did provide. Nothing changes with God. And we ask, why have you left me? God never leaves us. We are the ones who change. He will never leave us. He will never forsake us. Our circumstances change, but he is the changeless rock. He is the rock that is higher than I. He is the high rock for every one of us. He is monolithic and he does not change. And he is the one to whom we run. And then he says... In verse 4, let me dwell in your tent forever. Let me take refuge in the shelter of your wings. He wants to dwell in the tent. He's, he's looking forward to being back 
in that place that he is so far away from, the, the tent that is pitched on Mount Zion in the city of peace, Jerusalem. This is the, the presence of God. This is where God makes himself known. And he longs to be back there that he might take refuge in the place of safety, the place of shelter under the wings of God. He longs to be in the sanctuary, the dwelling place of God, his place of protection, in the place of the congregation, the place of his people where his people gather. David longs to be there because that's where there is protection, there is safety, there is security, there is joy, there is dancing. All the things that he is lacking at this time. And again, he prays with confidence in spite of his circumstances. Brothers and sisters, in spite of your, your circumstances, no matter how low you are, no matter how much you're flagging, pray with confidence in the faithfulness of God. He has been faithful, and you know it. He will not give up on you. Do not give up on him. That is the place of faith. So we need to call out to him when we're overwhelmed. And with confidence, we need to pray to him because of past faithfulness. In verses 5 through 7, then there becomes an encouragement to us to trust, to entrust ourselves to him. Faith is a decision. Faith is, is an act of the will where we trust him to fulfill the promises that he's already made because he's made many. That means to express to God your trust that he will fulfill his word. He says in verse 5, For you have heard my voice, O God. You have given me the inheritance of those who fear your name. He is longing once again to be back as God answered his prayers before, he was desolate before God. He cried out to God, and God brought him back to the tabernacle, to the place of inheritance, which means the inheritance of the land, the covenant, covenantal land of promise, and all the promises that go with it. It's not just physical land, but the promises of God's blessings that accompany the land. God has given to David the inheritance, the heritage that belongs to all of the covenant people. And we share in that as a covenant people. We are here together. And David is never disconnected from his people. Those who fear, he says, are other believers who faithfully walk with God. And he longs to be back in the place. That's the place of refuge. And he wants to be there because he says, God, if you... If you deliver me when I go back there, I will pay my vows to praise you in the midst of the congregation. Because I want to come back to the people and say, you won't believe what happened to me. This is what God did. And it was incumbent upon every Jew to come back into the midst of the congregation and tell the story of God's deliverances so that all might praise him together and all might rejoice together. But David is not disconnected from his people. He wants to be with those who believe in the name of the Lord. Even in our struggles, and perhaps more so 
When we are in dire straits, we are never alone. It's never just you and God. David isn't out there going, saying, hey God, it's just you and me. You need to, uh, you need to deliver me from all these trials. He wants to go back and say, I have been delivered. And he wants to tell the rest of the congregation what has happened because he's connected to them. You and God, yes, but others as well. This is God's design. We are not designed to go it alone. And David wants to be delivered, but he wants to be delivered so that he can tell everybody this is what has happened. Again, my wife being gone is a silly thing, maybe, to some extent. I was talking to Ella Sale before, and I said, yeah, my wife is gone. I said, yeah, I'm a sad puppy this morning. And he said, you're not alone. Look around you. Again, minor thing, my wife is gone. But for you, what is your despair? What is the end of your rope? Where is the place from which you are crying out? Where is your despair? Where are you flagging? Where are you failing? Where are you overwhelmed? Where are you willing or almost at the point of giving in? Look around. You are not alone. You are not alone because God is with you, but you're not alone because your brothers and sisters in Christ are with you. We are together. And David recognizes that. We need each other. I, just a quick um, word about our life groups, how important they are. You know, we went through a pandemic. You remember the pandemic? That was a thing. We went through a pandemic, <clears throat> and it's very difficult. And God blessed Valley Bible Church through the pandemic. We grew in numbers. We grew spiritually. We grew in many, many ways. Do you know why? Because of our commitment to the Word of God, number one, and because of life groups. I'm convinced of that. When I look at the history of Valley Bible Church, as I've been here for 18 years, I can see there are two things that have brought the growth that we have. Number one, our commitment to the Word of God and faithfully preaching expositionally Sunday after Sunday after Sunday. Amen? And the second thing is life groups. Because during the pandemic, we had relationships and we had, we had groups. We had people that knew us and loved us and prayed for us and prayed with us. And life groups are essential. I know that people come to Valley Bible Church from other churches and they say, you know what, our church, we used to do this and we used to have this ministry and we used to do things such and such a way and we used to have this kind of a, a thing that was really important to us. This is the way we do it here. This is the way we do it at Valley Bible Church. This is what God has blessed. It's not the time to let go of that seek another direction this is the time to double down because i think the pandemic was just a test there may be more ahead there may be greater trials ahead there may be i don't know what's ahead but we need each other and life groups are part of that and i encourage you to be part of that as well he says in verse six very interesting verse. He says, 
You will prolong the king's life. Wait, 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 wait. Who's the king? He's the king. He's talking to God and he's speaking a prayer about the king. And he speaks of the king in the third person because this is where it becomes a bit prophetic. Because it's not just about the king, it's about the kingdom. It's about the one who is chosen to represent God as the ruler on earth. And God had made a covenant with David, the Davidic covenant, that there would be a kingdom that would rule forever and ever. That has not been fulfilled. That is fulfilled only in Jesus Christ. You will prolong the king's life. You will add literally add days and days and days to the king's life. His years will be as many generations. This is a simile. And he's saying, to the, saying, Lord, would you make the king's life so long that it would seem like many generations? And that's the near fulfillment. But the far fulfillment is that it would indeed be generation after generation after generation till Messiah comes until Messiah comes back. That's why he says in verse 7, he will abide before God forever. O king, live forever. This is court speak. But he's speaking of himself, may I have a long life and be able to praise you forever and ever, looking at the long fulfillment of that that only comes to the Messiah. And then he says these wonderful words, appoint loving kindness and truth that they may preserve him. Speaking of the king, Lord, appoint these things. That's the word that was used, that, that Jonah used throughout the book of Jonah, where uh, God appointed a fish, and God appointed a plant, and God appointed a worm, and God appointed a scorching wind. And he's saying here, God, in your sovereign control of all things, appoint loyal, steadfast love, and truth and faithfulness to your king. Because that's how you get through all of it. Again, who is the king? David at this point. But the promises made to the king are benefits that we enjoy. A point of loving kindness and truth that they may preserve him. This reminds me of John chapter 1 where it says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw his glory, that's Jesus Christ in the incarnation, full of grace and truth. He was appointed grace and truth. He was appointed mercy and faithfulness. He was appoint, appointed loyal and love. These embodied our Savior. And this is answered in the incarnation. The appointing of loving kindness and truth preserves the king and his subjects, his loyal love and his truth. You have all you need, whatever your trial. You have all you need. You have loving kindness and truth that has been appointed to you. On the other hand, anger, bitterness, Lies, doubts, faithlessness, such things cause us to succumb to despair. These responses let the enemy win. 
David is proclaiming victory over the enemy through these things. Loving kindness and truth are the antidote. And you have it, brother and sister in Christ. You have the antidote. The final thing I encourage you, as David did, praise him all of your days. Praise him all of your days. He ends in verse 8, So I will sing praise to your name forever. He's looking forward to going back to the midst of the congregation. Psalm twenty-two, twenty-one 21 says, Save me from the lion's mouth, from the horns of the wild oxen, you answer me. I will tell of your name to my brethren in the midst of the assembly. I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you descendants of Jacob, glorify him. And stand in awe of him all you descendants of Israel. We have those promises made true to us. And it is our responsibility to pay a vow day by day, week by week, year by year, to praise him. Will you praise him? Will you vow to praise him every day of your life, in spite of the circumstances? out of his great character and his unfailing love. Four things, real quick, okay? Go to the rock. He is the high rock. Go to him. People are going to desert you. Have people deserted you ever? Yes. People will not love you back. Maybe you have suffered with unrequited love or rejection. Circumstances will not always be in your favor. They may not be now. And sometimes they are decidedly against you. And sometimes you will be in despair. Go to the rock. And cry out to him. Second of all, look back. How did you get to this place? What has God done? Look at your salvation. Look at his past faithfulness. You... Give me hope, go God, by past faithfulness. If you focus on, well, he was faithful and then this, if you focus on the and then this, you're going to get stuck. Look back for the purpose of praising him for past faithfulness. Third, look around. Look around at your brothers and sisters in Christ. Look around at those who are sharing in the covenantal blessings of God. We are in this together. We need each other. We must be connected to one another. Do not separate from them. Do not run from God. Do not run from worship. Do not run from fellowship. Run into one another's arms, and thus you are running into the arms of God. And number four, look forward. Since he was faithful, he is faithful, he will be faithful. His promises abound. His future promises of eternal grace and truth make all suffering able to be endured. We have the promise of an eternal kingdom in which we find ultimate refuge and deliverance. Father, we thank you for anguish. We thank you for difficult times. Will they instruct us in ways and teach us things we could not learn at any other time? 
we know it's painful and it's difficult, and I pray that you would heal the hearts of each and every one of us who have our own struggle and desolate place. Return us to you, Lord God, that we might praise you with a thanksgiving. In Jesus' name, amen. As you are able, would you please stand and turn your bulletin to the solid rock. And again, if you're able, please stand and sing this song for